Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known. Bye forever, Daddy. Oh, how we love you so. I know it's time to feel Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Amen. So we're going to ask everyone to be seated. Now we want to focus on the Word of God. You see, I've been in churches through the years where they said, well, the purpose of the worship is to prepare you for the Word. But say, I don't believe that. The purpose of the worship is to touch the heart of God. See, now now we're going to go to a new place in the Lord. Because it's the Word of God that changes you. It transforms you. It gives you life. The Word of God is active. It's like a sword that, that pierces the darkness in your heart. And today we're going to finish up this series on the book of John by doing, going through the last two chapters. But I'm going to start off um, with a story going back to John chapter 13. So we're in John chapter 20. But I'm going to go back to John 13. That tells a story about Peter. But instead of reading it from John 13, the same story is in Mark chapter 14. So I'm going to read it from there. So Mark chapter 14 starting in verse 27. And it starts with Jesus talking to his disciples. Starting in verse 27. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee, Peter declared. Even if all fall away, I will not. See, Peter said, every one of you, when it comes time, when the rubber hits the road, when I really need you, every one of you are going to walk away. Every one of you are going to run. But Peter said, maybe those guys, but I'm different. I'm going to stand with you. Anyone ever tell you that? I'm with you to the end if you ever need me. Anyone ever have an ex-husband or wife like that? An old boyfriend? I'm, I'm with you to the end, to, to my dying day. Even if everyone else leaves you, I'll be there. But that's what Peter declared to Jesus. Those guys, forget about them. But you can count on me. Verse 30. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, 
Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. So Peter said, that's not true. You ever tell Jesus, no, you don't know what you're talking about. Not me. That's those other guys over there. Not, oh, I'm, I'm not convicted by those words. That, that, that's for those people sitting in the next room. Some of you are probably thinking that to, right now. This doesn't pertain to me. That's for those guys over there. But Peter and every one of the disciples said, if we die, we die, but we're with you to the end. That same night, Jesus was arrested. The soldiers came. They arrested Jesus, took them away. And guess what happened to all the disciples that said, I'm with you to the end. They took off. They were gone. Forget their promise. But let's see what happened to Peter. Because, see, Peter was the one that was bragging. He was, he was the prideful one. Let, let's see how he made out. So I'm going to go down to verse 69, and it tells us what happens with Peter. It says, when the servant girl saw him there... She said again to those standing around, This fellow is one of them. Oh, actually, I, I'm reading in the wrong place. I'm going back to verse 66. Sorry for those watching on the Internet out there. <laughs> Do they have erasers on the Internet? Can you rewind the tape a little bit so I don't look, I don't look like a fool? Oh. Well, anyway, I'm back to verse 66. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You, were, you also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said. But he denied it. When someone came to her and said, you're with that Jesus who's in the prison, he said, no, not me. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, or surely you're, you're with that guy Jesus, because you're a Galilean. Verse 71, He began to call curses down on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Just like Jesus said would happen. Before the rooster crows two times, you will have denied me three times. You see, here was Peter full of pride, saying, I'm not like those people there. I'm with you to the end. He even cursed. When they said, do you know Jesus? He started cursing. And he said, I don't know that Jesus. 
And when the rooster crowed, just like Jesus said, he began to weep. And another version says that he wept bitterly. He became filled with shame and rejection. The test came. His one big moment to shine for Jesus came, and he failed. Now, I'm going to take this same Peter, who, the guy that just messed up, ended up cry, laying on the, on the road crying, filled with shame, feeling worthless, filled with self-hatred, Afraid? And I'm, I'm going to skip forward to the next book of the Bible, the book of Acts. But this is a story that happened just a few months later. And I, I want to look at Peter again. Uh, I'm going to go to Acts chapter 4. The same guy. The same guy that we just left crying, failing, messed up. Now we're going to jump ahead to Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Because the scripture there talks about a man at the temple who was crippled from birth. He had never walked. Day and night he laid in that spot begging for money. And when Peter and John came, they healed him. He got up and walked and began to run and jump and leap. I thought you're not supposed to do that in church, Pastor George. And he praised God. But you know what happens to religious people when God begins to move? When the miraculous comes, when God invades earth, the religious people get mad. They don't like it because it takes the attention off of them. And it puts the attention on God. And see, the religious system doesn't like that. And it didn't back then either. And the religious leaders, they started to get mad. So I'm going to read from verse 13. It says, The members of the religious council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. When I read that, I said, people could say anything about me. But the day I die at my funeral, I want someone to get up and say he had been with Jesus. Over anything else anyone could ever say about me. I want one day someone to say, that guy, he was with Jesus. But what happened? It says they were amazed at his boldness. Peter stood up and he preached the gospel. He didn't care what happened. This is the same guy. And I'm talking about a few months later. What happened? In verse 16, I'm sorry, verse 18, they called the apostles back in and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. The same Peter, filled with boldness, filled with fire, he looked those people in the face and says, You could tell us we can't preach. 
But you can't stop us. If we die, we die. Peter had been totally transformed into a new man. And if God did it for Peter, he could do it for every one of you. You know what happened to Peter? At different times, he was whipped. He was persecuted. And it's not in the Bible, but history tells us how Peter died. You see, Peter was going to be crucified just like Jesus by the Romans. But they gave him a choice. And he, Peter said, I'm not worthy to die like my Savior. I want to be crucified upside down. And Fox's Book of Martyrs tells us that Peter endured the crucifixion, hung upside down. He said, I will not recant. I will not change my mind. I will not deny Jesus. A totally new person in a matter of months. How did that happen? You see, I'm excited because if God did it for him, he can do it for me. I want to be changed and transformed into the image of Christ. And I'm going to talk about three things that happened going back to John chapters 20 and 21. That caused Peter to be transformed. John chapter 20 talks about the resurrection. Verse 1, early on Sunday morning while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved. They said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they had put them, him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other, from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said that Jesus must rise from the dead, and then they went home. And first, before I get into that, I want to say, in this church, we're not bothered by crying children, children carrying on. We want them here in the house of God. So we are not distracted in any way. But to me, it's like the sound of heaven when I hear a child. Because I believe that, that these children are going to grow up in the, in the power and the glory of God. So they are not nuisances in this church. But I just read the greatest event in human history was the resurrection of Jesus. You see, Jesus died. 
As Pastor George read last week, he was crucified for your sins. He took the place in the cro- your place on the cross so that you can be reconciled with God. So that nothing, there's nothing between you and God. Jesus removed your sin. But something happened three days later. The Bible said on the third day that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's the greatest event that's ever happened. And how do we know that it's true? He appeared to over 500 people, some of whom wrote eyewitness accounts. How do we know? We know because the tomb is empty. How do we know? We know because every disciple who encountered the risen Jesus were willing to die for him. They were persecuted and died. How many people would die for a lie, for a hoax? You see, it's one thing to put on a hoax. It's another thing to suffer and lay down your life for it. But let me tell you the greatest way that I know that Jesus is alive. You see, a few years ago, Billy Graham went to Russia when it was still communist. And they didn't believe in God. And they said, how do you know that Jesus is real, that he rose from the dead? And Billy Graham said, because I spoke to him this morning. You see, I'm totally convinced. I know that Jesus rose from the dead. You could come up with scientific theories that they stole the body, that he had a twin, that the real Jesus died and then the twin appeared. The devil do anything to make you think this wasn't real. But you could spend all day, you can't convince me, because I know him. He helped me when there was no one else to help me. When I couldn't pay the bill, he showed up. When I thought I was going to die, he brought me to the next step. I know he lives. You see, because he lives, you can have peace and joy and blessing. You know what the Bible says? When Jesus died, he went and rose again. He went to heaven. And you know where he is? He's at the right hand of the Father. And he's praying for you. He knows you. He loves you and he's bringing you through. You can go to him in your time of need because he's alive. You can't go to Mohammed. You can't go to Buddha. You can't go to Confucius. They're dead. They're buried in the ground. Their claims are worthless. Guess what? They can't help anyone. People could sit all day and cry out to Mohammed and it's not going to help them. Because he's buried in the ground. They know where the tomb is. But we know where the tomb of Jesus is. And it's empty. And he's a risen Savior. And when you need him the most, you can get down and call on him. And you can know that he's alive. And he will save you. He'll rescue you. 
And that's what happened with Peter. That was the first thing that transformed him. He came face to face with a risen Savior. And the Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead will raise you too. Because that's the second thing that happened that transformed Peter. I'm going to read in verse 19 where Jesus appears to his disciples after he rose from the dead. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. When Jesus rose from the dead, he, released, he breathed life into the disciples. He breathed on them, and the very Spirit of God began, began to indwell them. And that's what happened to Peter. The Spirit worked from within. It transformed his mind. It began to heal his emotion. It began to take away the fear and, and cause him to stand strong with courage and faith. And if you've got Jesus in your heart, that same Spirit lives in you. That you can walk in the miraculous power of God like Peter did. You can heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. You can do even greater things than Jesus did. Why? Because he's alive. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And now I'm going to go to, to the third thing. So first, Peter met the resurrected Savior. Second, he received the Spirit of God. He became a temple of the Holy Spirit, just like you are if you've got Jesus in your heart. It means everywhere you go, you carry God around with you. And when, and when you call upon him, you don't have to call up to heaven. Heaven is in you. You just begin to release heaven. Let it spill out all over everywhere you go. But the third thing, where do you think you would find the people of God? After Jesus rose from the dead and appeared for them and gave them a work to do, guess where they all went? You think they were all praying together? Getting ready to, to go to an outreach like we're going Wednesday night to the shelter? You think they were saying, we're ready, we're going to get in the glory? Jesus is alive? You know what they did? They went fishing. That's the people of God, right? They said, forget church, we're going fishing. And I believe that part of the reason they went fishing instead of getting together to get ready is because they were still filled with fear and shame because they had failed their Savior. Maybe it wasn't such a great feeling. 
that the one that they had betrayed, the one they walked away from in their time of need, all of a sudden shows up again. And they said, let's get out of here. We're going to go fishing. They had an expectation about God that God would say, you mess, you mess with me, now watch what I'm going to do to you. You walked away from me. That might have been their idea about God, but let's see what happens. I'm going to go to now, I'm going now to John chapter 21, the last chapter in the book of John. They were out fishing. And in verse 12, Jesus appeared and said, Now come and have some breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. I hope he cooks better than me. I, I use the smoke alarm as a timer. I don't know if anyone... Let's see. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. Verse 17, a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. You see, they misunderstood the heart of God. They thought God was angry and rejecting them at their failure, at their mess up, at their betrayal. And you know where he was? Even as they tried to avoid him, Jesus went after them and he sat and he cooked breakfast for them. And he went to Peter and three times he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, you know I do. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Three, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. And three times he went to him. And he said, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. See, he restored him. He gave him back his dignity. He gave him back his calling, his ministry. After he had messed up his life, after he wept bitterly, after he was filled with shame, Jesus, Jesus recommissioned him again and said, Feed my lambs, I restore you. See, that was the third thing. That Peter was restored by the risen Savior. And I'm going to ask Andrew to come up right now. You see, Jesus gave him back his value. He gave him back his worth. He learned that he was not a failure. 
And you know what we have right here? We, are, we have a real-life Peter right here, a man that's been changed and transformed, a man who met the risen Savior. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and been restored. And I want, I want you to tell him a little about what happened to you. Amen, amen. Uh, I'm going to condense like 20-something years in a couple minutes, but... Pretty much, I grew up um, with a big family. Had like 11 brothers, two sisters, and uh, my parents were like separated. So we kind of grew up like, I kind of like was with my mother, with my father, back and forth. And all my brothers were like separated. Everybody's like six of us over here. There was a couple of us over there. And um, I pretty much was exposed to a lot at a young age. And I kind of didn't understand everything. A lot of my older brothers were, like, um, addicted to drugs and stuff, crack and coke and stuff like that. And I kind of seen, I seen, like, a lot of things that I shouldn't have at that age. I remember, like, a lot of them coming to the house and stealing, like, the VCR and stuff and taking everything and, and knocking on the door for food and stuff like that. And I seen, like, you know, the hold over their life, you know? And these are the people that I kind of was looking up to. And they kind of like, you know, were leading me, you know, I was seeing the wrong thing. Pretty much, um, as I got older, um, I got like more confused. I would say like 15, 16, 17, 18, all those were like the roughest years for me. Um, When I was 15, I got shot. I was in the streets. I was just losing it out there. I was fighting like crazy. Um, I didn't know how to like vent. I didn't know how to express myself. Um, I didn't know how to like really express my emotions and stuff. I kind of didn't feel um, that true love and stuff, Um, especially from my family, I didn't. And people would think that, you know, you have a big family, that, you know, you have all that support and stuff, but really it wasn't there at all. So, um, I was going through like these waves of, of like these wars in my life and it was just really a uh, big thing in my mind and my heart and stuff and uh, I don't know, I just felt real, real, real hopeless, like not like a little hope, not like things were going to get better, I felt like hopeless at a young age, like, like it was over, like I was destined to be like dead young and stuff like that, you know, but by the time I was like 17 I had an older brother who got murdered, he got shot in the head. And that really, like, took me, um, like, down even more. I remember, like, at, a, um, at the wake, when I seen him in the casket, I seen, like, the hole in his head and stuff. And I was, I kind of, like, everybody was crying and stuff. And I didn't even cry. I was bugging out. I was, like, like, I had, like, no more tears to, like, cry. And that time, I, you know, I just felt, like, real numb and stuff. And I didn't know. Like, I felt like the only, the only way to numb the pain was, like, death, you know, on myself, stuff like that. So I had, like, these suicidal thoughts and stuff, and I just felt like taking my life and stuff like that. Um, all lies of the enemy and stuff. And um, at, like, 18, I was in the streets, and again, I got shot again for the second time. And I had got shot at, like, so many times, but, you know, it, it was those times when I got, like, hit. And... Uh, 
I remember people telling me, like, oh, you know, you should thank God that you're still alive and, you know, you should be grateful that you lived. A lot of people don't live and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of times I would shake my head and say, like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you know. But when I was by myself, I was, I was, I was tight. I was angry because I felt like, like, like I didn't want to be here anyway. So I was like, dang, you know. I wanted that person to, like, end me, to finish me, because, you know, I really didn't want to be here. And uh, so I was kind of angry that, you know, it wasn't like, you know, I still had to, like, keep on living and stuff, but, you know, living, like, and not being happy and stuff. And I was, like, 17, 18. I didn't really understand everything. But um, I kind of was, like, embracing the wrong things. You know, you hear a lot of stories about kids in the streets and stuff, but... um. By the time, like, the next year, when I was, like, 19, I was, like, 18, 19, I had a close friend that got shot in the chest. They killed him, and it was just, like, tragedy after tragedy, and um, a little bit after that, uh, I, was, I was trying to work. I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to, like, you know, follow your heart and do the right thing and stuff, but my mind was, like, crazy, and uh, I really had a lot of anger. You know, my heart was real cold by that time. And I didn't really have no mercy for nobody because I didn't feel like nobody had mercy for me. And I was real cold inside. And, you know, you probably wouldn't have liked me. I didn't like me at that time. And uh, so I had a friend that passed away that really hit me hard. And uh, then I had another friend that was, you know, I was working with. I was, um, I was working. I got a job finally. So I was working. And he started talking to me about God and Jesus and stuff. And I had a respect for God, even through all that. I had a respect for God. I already, you know, I believed in Jesus. He was my savior. Um, I did the whole Catholic thing growing up. Like, you know, uh, you know, I went through the emotions. Like, my mother was like, oh, you got to do this. You got to do your baptism. You got to do this and stuff like that. You know, so I did all the things you had to do. But I didn't really have no relationship with God at that time. But I had a respect for him. You know, I knew he was my savior and stuff like that. But I didn't know how he could save me. You know, at that time, I didn't know. So he started speaking to me about God, my friend, and, you know, he invited me to church. You know, he did the thing, and he was like, you know, you could come out on a Friday night. I remember all my friends was ready to go to the Copa to go bug out, and I was like, all right, so I'll meet you guys over there. So I went to church, and uh, it was like the pastor was speaking, but, uh, you know, it was a regular night, but it was, uh, you know, a special night for me. Because God just started speaking to me. Everything, you know, all the questions I had, all the, you know, all the things that I need answers to. God just, you know, he answered me that night. And uh, I just felt his love, you know, um, when it was time to accept them and stuff. Like at the end of the service and stuff, like my hand was like shaking a little bit. But like I went up to the altar and I accepted him as my savior and I trusted him. And uh, I don't know, his love, it was real. Like it was... Like, really real. Like, I didn't feel certain things for all those years. And that night, like, I felt, you know. I started to cry like a baby. And I didn't really cry for all those years, you know. I had, like, a lot of stuff built up inside of me, you know. So, that night, everything just came down. Like, the walls were coming down. Chains was, like, falling off me. Weights was falling off me, you know. And, um, and God's, like, love just really, like, pierced through my heart. And, you know... You know, I started to feel again, and 
and love again. And, and, you know, he really surrounded me with the right people, friends and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I had a desire and a passion to, like, learn more about him because I didn't really, you know, it was just like, it was like his love that, like, attracted me, you know. And, you know, at that time, like, everything else failed me, you know. People failed me. Everything failed me. All those, you know, you hear all these street stories and stuff and everybody wants to be like this person and stuff. All that stuff is, like, it's all like a masquerade, you know. It's all baloney because I know where it ends, you know. I got friends dead, prison, jail. I know where it ends. So... I really wasn't, you know, like I was really tired of that route. And God's love just really, like, broke through me. It broke through a lot of things in my life. And, uh, you know, he did, like, a quick work in me. He was doing a lot of things. He was teaching me a lot of things that I understood quickly. And um, um, pretty much, that's pretty much it. But, um, you know, in my desire, you know, I had a desire to keep on, you know, seeking after him and stuff like that. It's going on like five years now, a couple months that I've been saved. Um, and all those times I felt like lonely. I felt, you know, I kind of felt like I was, you know, I didn't have anybody. He really blessed me with a beautiful wife and, you know, a kid and stuff. And it's not just like, you know, uh, she doesn't just have like the title of wife, but you know, she really like is my friend and you know, she really is like a strong woman of God and she knows how to speak into my life and I could do the same into hers and stuff. So, so I thank God for that, you know, and also my beautiful son and another one that might be coming. Um, that's public, made it public. All right. So, um. I just wanted to say a quick, a quick scripture, if that's all right. All right. So I ran into this. It's 2 Corinthians 4, if you guys want to follow me. Just going to jump around. 4, 7. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay, jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. This is why we never give up. Verse 17. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. And I just wanted to say that there's no way, like, like if you really want change and stuff, there's no way that in your situation, no matter what you're going through, no, how, no matter how hopeless you are, with God's love, there's no way it cannot change. It has to change. You know, he has promises in his word and stuff like that. So I'll leave you with that. Amen. Amen. So you don't have to wait to die and go to heaven to be to have the glory of God. You can have it now here on earth. You can have the presence of God. You, you can have the miraculous working of the Spirit everywhere that you go. You can have peace right here on earth. It's not out there, it's in you. 
You can be filled with joy. You, you can have success, not just when you're in heaven, but on earth. You can have victory here. But having said that, I'm, I'm going to read one more scripture. Because there's one more benefit for Jesus rising from the dead. So I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 16. You don't have to turn to it. I'm going to read it. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep or died in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. See, because Jesus rose from the dead, it means when, when you die, you still live. The Bible says that when you die, that even though your body is buried, that your spirit goes into the presence of God. But the word also says that one day that your body's going to come out of the grave and you're going to live again with a body with no more pain, no more suffering. See, that's our ultimate hope. Paul said, if it's only for this world that we have Jesus, if all we're doing here is only for, for now, then the people should pity us. He said, you might as well go out and eat and drink, have a good time if it's only for this world. But it's not. There's an, there's an eternity for you. Because just as Jesus went up and he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father when he left, he said, one day I'm coming back. I'm going to return. You see, We've been, we're going to celebrate Christmas pretty soon, and we're going to have the manger, and you'll see Jesus as a helpless little baby. But when he comes back, he's coming back as Lord of lords and King of kings. And the Bible says he's going to crush evil under his feet. He's going to crush the devil. He's going to crush the powers of hell. You could know. That there's victory even in death. All the years until I became a Christian, I had a fear of death. I'm not afraid of anything anymore. Because to die is Christ. And one day he's going to return as the king. And I'm going to ask Melissa to come. And when he comes back, they're going to blow the final trumpet. And the dead in Christ will rise. All of your loved ones who are Christians, who have died, they're going to rise again. If any of you have had miscarriages, you're going to see those babies one day. Because that God created them and they already had a spirit in them. And those miscarried babies, you're going to see them again. And Jesus is going to return. And we're going to be caught up forever with him. And... I asked Melissa to come and sing this song. It's, it's an old song. And you know I love the new songs, everything new I love. But sometimes we got to go retro here, right? We, we, we got to go old school right now.
Because this song, every time I hear it, I just, I just feel the power and the glory of God. The King is coming. See, maybe you fit into that song. Maybe you've been crippled or your life's been ruined. Maybe you've made a mess out of your life. Things are broken. But God's going to take you, restore you, dress you in robes of white. And you're going to stand one day with choirs of angels. And we're going to all worship God for all eternity. See, but that's got to be established right here on earth. What happens then is determined by how you're living right here and right now. You see, there was one disciple in, in John chapter 21. His name was Thomas. They called him Doubting Thomas because he, he wouldn't believe. He said, I won't believe that Jesus rose from the dead unless I can touch the scars in his hands from the nails and his feet. I won't believe until I see. And Jesus let him touch and he believed. And Jesus said, you believe because you saw and touched. But there's something even greater. He said, blessed are those who haven't seen, who haven't touched, but yet they believe. If that's you, I want you to stand right now. You haven't touched the scars, but you know he's real. You believe that he's alive, that he's risen from the dead. And I want to ask the worship team to come. So you got to make a decision today like Peter did, that I'm going to the end. And God will do the rest. He just needs the yes. He just needs you to say, I agree, I'm with you. And he'll release his Holy Spirit, and he'll change your situation. Whatever your mess is, he can undo it. He can heal your broken marriage. He can restore your messed up finances. He can bring back your children. Why? Because he's alive. And there's nothing greater. There's nothing in this world that can help you. There's no holy water can help you. There's no candles or beads that are going to change your situation. There's no priest you can go and confess your sins to. Because the Bible says there's no one stands between you and the Father except Jesus. There is no man. There's nothing in this world could help you. I've tried it all and it, it was all worthless. But there's a God. And I'm going to ask you to, to repeat this prayer right now. If you mean it with your heart, if you're saying yes to Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to repeat this. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I recommit myself today to you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. All that I am. And all that I have, I give to you today because I believe that you died 
And on the third day, you rose again. In Jesus' name. Amen. I don't believe that we have to lay hands on anyone today. I just, I just felt like things being being pulled off you. Even as Melissa was up here singing, I saw chains fall off. I saw minds and hearts be transformed. But what we got to do now, we want to come into a new place right now. We want to begin to worship. We, we, let's just enter into his spirit right now. He hears you. He hears you because he's alive. He's listening. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless.